0: When I was six years old, I had this moment where I thought, I am six and I'm a (laughs) grown-up. I understand everything grown-ups say, and I don't need anyone talking to me like I'm a child. And now, I am a grown-up. I'm 43, I'm married, I own property, I've produced albums for my band, I've toured thousands of miles, I can drink, I can vote. I can drive, I can even rent a car, which you have to be 25 to do that, by the way. (laughs) You know, I think a lot about a movie. It's called The Blue Lagoon. (laughs) Not a great piece of art cinema by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think about it all the time. To refresh your memory, in the Blue Lagoon, (laughs) Brooke Shields and Christopher Atkins grow up alone together on a desert island, totally away from all societal influence. The reason I think about this movie all the time is because I wonder, if I lived in the Blue Lagoon, would I feel like a grown-up? Would I even know there was such a thing, some kind of line in the sand between one version of a person and another? Welcome to IVFU, a podcast about the pain, joy, angst, and love of trying to make a family the new-fashioned way. I'm your host, Sam Shaber, and that was me you just heard performing a story about being a grown-up, and how disappointing it can be. And I'm a love, a love with you. Today, you'll meet Kathleen, a rebellious L.A. writer with an incredible talent for turning tears into laughter. Kathleen's story inspires me in how she overcame age and race to become a mother, while gaining a whole new understanding of what it means to love. love Tell me about your turtle. Well, we're
1: on turtles number four and five now, (laughs) and I kind of don't want to say what happened in one, two, and three, but one of them I did, let's just say that involved too much love. Uh-oh. I can love something to death. Is that what you're saying? Um, I think that's what I'm saying. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, it was very It's a good sad. lesson. I know. But, yeah. you know, Timmy, the dearly departed, she lived three years. Wow. Is that long for a turtle? No, they're oh. supposed to live like 130. Oh, right, that's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, <Hi>. Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you so much sure. for being a part of this.
1: My um, pleasure.
0: You are a writer. I am. And in what ways do you write? I, I met uh, you through writing. Yeah, but yeah.
1: yeah. I Well, I, you re- met me at my writer's group yeah. where you were writing and bringing your writing. And I have a publisher looking at a book based on my blog, This Old Mom. And then um, the book that I almost published was a parody of children's books. So a lot of what I'm writing is very mother influenced. Yeah. And sort of my punk rebellion against what a mom is supposed to be. B,
0: which is so fabulous. So first, I would just want to go back a little bit. When did you, your husband is Andrew, when did you guys get married? We Well, we met when I was 45. We met at a garage sale. Craigslist
1: has a lot to answer
0: for. Yeah. That's a nice shortcut to knowing if you'll live well with someone. Like if you meet at a garage sale and you like the same things, that's so many arguments already taken care of. I was running the garage sale. Oh, you in South Pasadena. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, as soon as he
1: got out of his car, a voice in my head said, that's your husband. And it turns out that he was. So we got married on 10-10-10. Oh, okay. He, okay, he went to a funeral of his 106-year-old mentor from AFI. Wow. Then we got married. And then we went and visited friends who had a newborn, so it was kind of a perfect circle day. Wow!
0: Yeah. So you were married before he and I were both had been married before. And did you try to have kids with the first marriage or no? We were too busy fighting. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> how long were you married for? Uh, four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. It was a good starter marriage. <laughs> yeah. Right. So how old were you when you got divorced?
1: I was thirty-four. Thirty. I was four. alone.
0: I was so when you were thirty-five, did someone say you better get on this? No. Or, no. Never.
1: Okay. I've always been very immature. Mature. I've <laughs> never been the kind of person who thought age mattered. Yeah, time for me was like, well, I just spent my twenties living and struggling, and you know what you do in your twenties. There was no ten-year plan. There was no today plan. Yeah, um, for a Virgo, that's kind of weird. But I grew up in chaos, so I replicated it without really um, connecting the dots. And right. um,
0: and a lot of people who've grown up in chaos are not inclined to be parents, right? At least right, right away or my at all. The whole
1: thing was I just kept thinking, um, I'm going to get everything all my other shit together and then I'm going to be a kick-ass mom. And I love my nephews and nieces. I mean, I, in fact, one of the problems of my first marriage was he was annoyed at how much time I wanted to spend with my sister and her babies. Mm-hmm. Every weekend I was all up in their cornflakes
0: so so you're you're living your life, you're doing your thing and you're not worrying about having kids. I I just wasn't freaked out about it and I had offers like I had my gay best friend said, "Let's have a baby
1: together." When I was like 35 and I was like, "I don't want it like that." Yeah. And he still brings it up to me. Now that we're almost 60, he's like, God, don't you wish we had done that? And I was like, then I wouldn't be Clementine's mom. Yeah. When all is said and done, I was put here to be Clementine's mom. And every other opportunity either fell apart or I batted it out of the way. And now, even now, I mean, we adopted Clem when I was 49. And she made, she made a grown woman out of me. Yeah. She
0: made an adult out of me. And that's such a good segue into adoption, into this whole story. (laughs) So, okay. So you're 40. I was 47. When you get married. When we
1: eloped and we got married too sweet for the health insurance. And everybody was like, oh, now you're going to get pregnant. And we tried. How did you feel when people said that? I'd say maybe. Okay. We started trying about three weeks After we met. Okay. I connected once. I miscarried that I know of once. And the miscarriage was weird. It was like a two-week long Mm. draining. I went and saw healers and acupuncturists, and they tried to, you know, talk the being into staying. and. So did I. The being did
0: not cooperate. The
1: being wasn't listening. I think the being was not so much of a being. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went to the gynecologist and she said, you do have options. And she handed us fertility pamphlet. And I was like... I'm not doing that. So you never did IVF? Never. Oh, Didn't even okay. consider it.
0: Yeah. Why?
1: We both had really painful childhoods and we both were born to into heavily alcoholic families. So I was also born with um, bright red hair and bright red skin because I was covered in eczema. Yeah. <laughs> so um, maybe we would be bypassing that. You know what I mean? Um, and you know what? I always knew that um, if we couldn't make our own baby, that we were going to go into either the foster system, foster adopt, or just plain old adoption. But we also knew we didn't have money, so. We just went right into FOST Adopt.
0: And is it FOST to
1: adopt? That's what they, they shortened it. It was okay. FOSTER to adopt. Now they call it FOST Adopt. Okay.
0: Because everybody's too short for yeah. all the syllables. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look. I just want to make sure I'm hearing it right. Tumblr, I, Grindr. Right. Like, who has time for ease? Who cares about who, vowels? Yeah. yeah. Vowels can go
1: fuck themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they can go fuck <laughs> themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still um, got it. So when you start going into the system of foster to adopt, you're entering a broken system where you have very little control. Mm. We were living in Los Feliz, commuting from Los Feliz to Culver City for foster adopt classes (laughs) on Wednesday nights after working crazy hours all over the city. Full on traffic. Yeah, full on traffic. And the classes were excruciating because you're learning about trauma and you're learning about being a professional parent and taking care of someone else's child. Child, and if they if these parents get their crap together you get the blessing of giving them back their child. Right. So there's no guarantees, there's no, um, no medal, there's no pay. There, I mean, actually that's not true. You do get a stipend from the county to take care of the child. And and I um, believe,
0: aren't the services, like I have friends who just, they're fostering, they're about to adopt, um, oh, great. hopefully. And all the mental health care, the PT, the OT, those oh, yeah. things are included. Um, yeah,
1: Medi-Cal is included, yeah. um, which you will need. The need of these children, these foster children, there's like 30,000 in Los Angeles County alone wow. and there, there's, the perfect, there's so few foster parents. It was painful to me to see these kids aging out of the system and never having a parent and never having someone who loved them. But then as I dove into these kids' lives, the mental illness and the trauma, um, it was way beyond... Our capabilities. So we got through all the paperwork, we got certified to be foster parents. And then that was in 2008 when the economy collapsed. Budget cuts. Bush, the Uh, the economy collapsed. Everything. Foster agencies, education services. We could not get a social worker to come to look at our house to inspect us that Just was the to even last get step get the
0: appointment no
1: we kept calling them and calling them and they were saying well we we but your fingerprints we sent them to you a year ago do it again we were going out of our minds this way, okay. so so what happened was we got married and you know, we, my mother was like, when we finally cracked and let them know that we'd eloped, my mom's like, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> she wanted a wedding. She wanted it in a church and we're, we compromised on a field in Canada. Okay. And um, That's kind of like a church, actually. It was. It was very pretty. Yeah. I, and I said in my wedding vows to Andrew, I said, let's just get all this wedding crap over with. Let's just go home and get our family. Let's just do that. And that sparked something in Andrew's brother, who was his best man. He sent us a blank check as a wedding gift and said, be a family. I know you've been waiting for the foster system, but just get it done. Wow. And I looked at Andrew and I was like, I'm calling an adoption lawyer right now. And he said, I'm not ready to give up on the foster system. And I was like, the foster system gave up on us. We have been waiting for them to answer a fucking phone call for over a year. I'm done. I'm cashing the check, I'm going to the lawyer, and I know who to call. Because my dad and
0: his wife, they adopted. um, Oh, they did? Oh, I have a
1: family full of adoptions. How how
0: old was your dad? 53. When they adopted, and they were newborns? Newborns from
1: Ireland. Wow. Um, And my dad is an actor, so he had a little bit of cachet back then, but he found the adoption lawyer in LA, and that's who I called. He said, your baby will find you. I said, I'm 49, and he was like, pause you don't look it and i was like i'm not not asking for a compliment
0: (laughs) thanks but no thanks yeah
1: and he's like well your dad was older and i'm like it's a sexist it's look okay so there's a
0: question so do you think it is it's different rules for men and women i
1: talked to six birth mothers they all rejected me not one of them asked me how old my husband was not one wow Uh, how
0: far along would you get with these Birth mothers before they. Uh, well, you have to make a. Give us your. Well, this is what I called it. Give us your baby book, where you right. have to make
1: a album. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make a book on a Mac, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And he goes, oh, No, no, get construction paper. Oh, it's still physical. Glitter. These are birth mothers yeah. who are 16, 17 years old. They live in Indiana. They live in Utah. Um, they they don't want to see a fancy book that doesn't look like you're real people. Right. They want to see... you know um, Like what
0: you would do with their kid, basically. Rick
1: rack scissors. Yeah. And they wanted Joanne's... Elmer's glue. And Elmer's glue and glitter glue. And I made the fuck out of these books, because I went to art school, and I'm a Virgo, um, and my friends who had succeeded in the adoption system, I said, show me your, give us your baby books. I mean, I literally followed their advice to the teeth. And they had the pipe cleaners and the glitter glue and the whole, yeah. And they're like, get a bicycle, go to Disneyland. I mean, and and then when I realized um, I lost one, I thought I really connected with this one mom. And they were like, it's not going to work out. She went with a gay couple. They took pictures of themselves at Disneyland. And I was like, I mean, literally, you're like, fuck. You're like, we're going go to Disneyland. Oh, no. Get in the car. And like the idea of a couple without a child taking pictures of themselves at Disneyland, oh, it's just so it's fucking crazy.
0: Heartbreaking. Creepy. Yeah.
1: God damn it. Now I'm losing shit to gay men who like to go to Disneyland. Yeah. I mean, it's like the things you don't even think of. Yeah. We took pictures of ourselves carving pumpkins. I built a nursery and I decorated it and took pictures of that. And literally, the last page of the book was, "And this is where his or her room will be if we are lucky." Dot dot dot. And I felt like a
0: soap opera writer. It was so corny. Yeah, and it was so you're making a commercial for yourself.
1: Oh yeah, it was brutal. I mean, having to do that when you're depressed and feeling like you can't do anything right anyway, and and of course seeing friends with babies and you know, and they're like. How about the People Magazine articles of oh. Miracle Baby yes, and everybody exactly. was sending them to me and I was like, I know you think you're trying to make me feel better, yeah. but that's
0: not making I me know, feel better.
1: I know. People try so hard. How can I express to you that this doesn't help? But thank you.
0: I know. It's so hard.
1: And it's so hard because they're all doing it out of love. So,
0: you still want to punch them, but they are all doing oh, it out of love. In so. the throat, you want to punch <laughs> them in the throat. Yeah. Um, did you get a sense that money mattered oh, to yes. the birth moms? Oh, yeah. They were like, You're in California.
1: What do you do? Do you know any famous people? And I'm like, Well, my dad's an actor. I, it was just like that thing oh, of my- like, Oh, well, we just met somebody who knows Jessica Simpson. So, I mean, literally, like, you find out how, where you are in the pecking order very Whoa. quickly. So, you're so, so, imagine calling a stranger. In a completely different culture, who the only thing you have in common is they can't raise the child that they're growing and you want that child. It's very depressing. And what Suzanne would say, my girlfriend, I call her my adoption sponsor. She just helped me through every stage of it. She she said, all the other women are going to be so excited and so ambitious and so anxious. It's just, you're just riddled with anxiety. She said, don't call right away. Don't call right away because these girls are getting overwhelmed. She said, wait like four or five hours. She said, I know it's going to be hard because you're going to want to do exactly what the lawyer tells you to do. And you're a Virgo and you were raised Catholic. So you're going to want to obey. But wait. And one day I ran into my ex-husband and we hadn't seen each other in years. And I knew he was married again and I knew he had a daughter and he broke it to me. He goes, yeah, we have another one on the way. And that was the first time that I was like fuck y'all I mean he was my age and his wife was younger and as I was leaving him I looked at my phone and I said oh my adoption lawyers texting me there's a a birth mother I have to call and I had waited all day and I was like yeah I gotta go call this birth mother and he goes you call a total stranger who's pregnant and basically try to sell her on you and I was like yeah that's the protocol and his eyes filled with tears and he was just like I'm really sorry and I really wish you all the luck in the world. And I was just like, thank you for your pity. but a fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got in the car, and I was really annoyed. And I called her, and I was in the car for about an hour and a half. And we just connected we just connected I have no uh, she was laughing we were laughing we were making each other laugh her two children were playing around her ankles so I was listening to her five-year-old son so she already had two kids yeah how old was she 21 wow yeah she'd had her first child at 15 her second at 17 she'd gone back to high school she graduated her mother was a professional um her father had been a um basketball player, semi-pro. Um, we bonded over the fact that we both had humongous dads who were badasses (laughs) and loud. And, um, my dad was six, four and he was a college football player and played in the Marines. So we had oddly so much more in common. And then by the time I got home, we'd been talking on the phone for like two hours and she just went, yeah, I think you're the one. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And she said, I just want to talk to my mom about this. And I said, you talk to whoever you want to talk to and I'll talk to whoever. I said, do you want me to talk to your mom? I was seven years older than her mother at that point. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, And her mom called me the next day and she said, yeah, you're the one. And I was like, thanks. And then they let us know that the baby was being born in a month. So you didn't know that yet? No. Usually what happens is you get picked by a birth mother who's about five or six months pregnant. Usually they don't really know until they're like two or three months. They have to go through a vetting process with the adoption lawyer to prove that they really are who they are and that they really are pregnant. So um, she was in Akron, Ohio. She had taken a really long time to finish the paperwork because she was really conflicted. She said yes to us on January 6th. The baby was due February 8th.
0: And how old is Clementine now?
1: She's going to be seven in about three weeks.
0: She's like a full adult. She is such an adult. (laughs) Seven is a person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Were you looking for any race of a child or were you specifically thinking? We didn't care. We just didn't care. This is the one that came through and it was the right
1: fit. That was what was so sad because at the end of our totally bonding, falling in love with each other phone call, she said... I'm is your husband going to be okay with the fact that the baby's going to be African American? I am light-skinned. I was like, I'm really sad that you have to say it like that, but we don't care. <laughs> we we just don't care. Um did she care? Had she looked for black parents? It didn't even occur to me yeah. to ask her. I, I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah, yeah, I was like <laughs> I didn't wanna, want to remind her there might be I didn't want to <laughs> say anything that might make them right. change their minds about anything. Oh, we had to take the workshops. We had to do the transracial parenting workshop and it's it's. It's funny because you come home with a baby and you're like, how did this happen? How did they let us? take this person. I mean, from the minute they let us drive away with her, I mean, we still had to do social worker visits for a year. Right. I mean, you're not free and clear, but you're just like, what? I mean, it's truly,
0: it's shocking. Well, also from working so hard and things not working out. Exactly. Suddenly when it is working out, it's because yeah. you almost form an identity as things aren't working oh, out. yeah.
1: No, and then you're just going to be the lady with the baby at the playground and right. everyone- I mean, No one will know where that came from. Exactly. Yeah. Now with us, it's just open-minded eyes so much about what it means to be a person of color in this world because people look at you and they put a story on you. And you know what? Um, They say a lot, there aren't a lot of black people in adoption because it is so expensive, but that's changing too because of these organizations that help people find GoFundMes and foster adopt families. And I'll say this, the parenting workshop that we took, the transracial parenting workshop, there were only two white couples there. Oh wow! Other there were Asian couples, there was Hispanic couples. There was not one black couple, but it was all other representations of race. It was very mixed. It was very diverse, and we were all really open, but they showed us a documentary about transracial adoptees and how furious they were. I mean, they tried to scare. The daylight's out of us. That Just was totally... have you
0: self-select out of the whole thing if you weren't ready for yes. it. Yes, yeah. We had
1: to sign a paper saying that we'd taken the class and we were aware of the dangers that our child might grow up to hate. Why us. were the children furious? Mostly, the children were furious because the adoptive parents did not acknowledge their race. Uh. They pretended that color didn't matter, or they, you know, one kid was like. I know more about Lutfisk than I do about the civil rights movement. Wow. She was raised in Minnesota by Swedish people. Oh my gosh. Um, and the interesting thing was our the birth mother's family, Clementine's birth grandmother said to us in the hospital she goes, "Honey, you don't have to call us African American. I'm black. Uh, I know where I'm from. I'm not uh, from uh, Africa, I'm from Louisiana." Uh, and it was just like cuz she saw us falling all over ourselves to be the, you know, careful knee right. liberal people who would do anything to make this right and trying to, you know, make up for all the sins of our fellow white racists. And, (laughs) and I just, we were just like, we're in, we're in, we're in. Yeah. And people said horrible things. People said horrible things in the beginning and in the middle. And, and, and after she was born. Horrible things
0: like, are you guys sure you can handle this? That kind of stuff? Um, Or like uh, outright racist things.
1: When we travel with our baby in airport and white people come up to us and go, that baby is so lucky to have you. And now I'm like really you don't know we could be terrible parents we could be the shittiest parents in the world if you're just saying that because i'm white fuck you yeah the funny thing was when we took that transracial parenting workshop they were like now people of color might come up to you and say nasty things never once the only people who have said stupid shit are white people (laughs) (laughs) so it's been eye opening
0: yeah Do you have a father? I mean, any type of father? Then you're going to want to hear a new series called Tell Me About Your Father. It's all about father figures, daddy issues, and dismantling the paternal mystique. Tell Me About Your Father aims to unpack all facets of the father the loving, the ambivalent, the supportive, the irresponsible, the wealthy, the living, the dead. These are the fathers who built us up and, well, let us down. It's free therapy, but funnier and just as deep. Tell Me About Your Father Season 1 is available now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
1: The funniest thing is when we go to places where it's even more PC than here, like Seattle,
0: this woman actually apologized. I was thinking, what's more PC than here? Oh my God, this <laughs> woman in Seattle, she actually
1: apologized. She goes, I'm so sorry. I just assumed that your baby wasn't biologically your baby. And I'm like... <laughs> I was like, you met my husband. So basically, are you telling me that I, I fucked a black guy? Yeah. I mean, like, and I'm like 50. I mean, <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you for the compliment, I guess. <laughs> uh, so the apologies have been very interesting. Yeah. Have you ever been with a black friend and they assume that Clem is their child? Oh, all the time. Well, one of Clem's best friends, Clem's best friend
1: is Man. His mom is black. His dad is white. So he presents as white. He looks kind of white. Man looks kind of white. So when we are all out together and I'm holding my black kid and she's holding her, <laughs> some seemingly white kid. Yeah. Everyone thinks we're holding each other's kids. They and can't they're figure like, it out. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, sure, you're going to be worrying about them. My daughter's black and and we have Trump for president yeah. and yeah. Andrew and I are getting ready to have the racism talk with her because she's going to have to, some kid is going to call her the N-word and we're going to deal with the aftermath of that. Yeah. And I hate the outside world making us feel less than perfect and beautiful and what we are and so I just have to knock us against that yeah and um we belong to pact which is um an organization for transracial families um, that's based up north in san francisco yeah we take it pretty seriously yeah
0: i don't see how you could not though right especially being a virgo but also (laughs) it's something that's gonna keep coming up you can't pretend it's not happening but you know where your home
1: is when you have a child and yeah. you know who your family is. And that's a really cool thing. It's so beautiful because everything non-essential just evaporates. Yeah, And I'm not going to pretend my child's not black because that's dishonoring who she is. Right.
0: Which doesn't mean you spend your days going, my black child, my black child, my black child. No. Like she is your child. She's, she's my your child. Who is black.
1: Well, and I can't say black to her because she's like, mom,
0: I'm brown. Right. <laughs> right.
1: And I'm like, you're right. And she's like, I'm more brown than Lewis, but I'm less brown than so-and-so. And I'm right. like, you're absolutely right. Right. So, I mean, but we talk about color. I mean, she clotheslined me when she was three and a half. When am I going to turn your color?
0: Oh. So we've been talking
1: about race since she was three and a half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now we're... What was that conversation like? How did you respond?
1: So um, she was pointing at a freckle on my chest. She said, but you're that color there. Is, are you going to turn into my color? And I was like, no, there's a thing called races and we're different races. You were in this lovely, beautiful woman's tummy, but she knew she couldn't take care of you. And she was so sad because she loved you so much. This is, you know, yeah. the counseling speech. Um, and she was looking and looking and looking for the, the mommy and daddy who were going to help her take care of you. And we were looking and looking and looking for you because we couldn't make a baby in my belly. And she placed you with us and you live with us and we're your mom and you were your dad. And I thought, and that's that. <laughs> it's Done. a conversation we're going to be having. And that I'm was the mom of the, the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, Oh yeah. I was like, pat, 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 yeah. pat, pat. And then I was like, open, <laughs> open, open bottle of wine, 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 wine. Cause it happened. I w- Andrew wasn't there. There was no like yeah. checking in. It was like, wasn't a sit down. It yeah. was the, yeah. I learned that later on that you can say, let's put that in our question box. And oh. later on, we'll, we'll,
0: let's pull a question out of the question box and let's talk about it. Yeah. Does she want to meet the, her birth mom? Or um, that come, she, has she uh, met the birth mom? No. And what, is, what are the recommendations for that talk? For how old should Clem be when you talk? Or does it vary on the child? Basically, the, 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 the
1: prevailing wisdom is don't tell the kids more than they know enough to ask about. Mm-hmm. Like when she asked about her birth mother, you know, she knew the whole story. And then one day in the car, she was like, what's your name? And I said, her name is Jasmine. And then she was like, Jasmine. That's like a princess name.
0: <laughs> it's literally a princess I know. name. Yeah. And
1: I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I just wait for the next question. Yeah. Okay. She asked for a picture of her last summer. We ran to our therapist because we said, oh, that's a really good question. Um, and she said, yeah, you print up a picture, but, you know, make it a special day. Bring her the photograph in the morning at breakfast. Don't make it a big deal. Don't make it a, like, let's sit down and mm-hmm. do this. You know, she's like, be casual. This is a picture of your birth mother and don't plan anything for the rest of the day because you don't know what it's going to be like. You could go either way. Yeah. The craziest thing was she looked at the photo and her birth mother is very light skinned and she goes why is she white? i <laughs> like, that's, she's not white. Um, she is African American. She is black. She is of your race. Um, the, the photo is, she's very light skinned. And we talked about that and she was really like, huh. And then we put the photo up in her room on her bulletin board next to pictures of us and her class and her friends. And two hours later, we were trying to coax her out of her socks that she'd been wearing for a year. <laughs> or it just smelled like it. Yeah.
0: And she flipped you're not my real mom you're not my real dad but she was three and a half still no no this was last summer oh this is recent okay now i also wonder if and we haven't really gone there but you also were fostering a teenager for a while who would absolutely say something like that to you so i would wonder how much of clem's reaction is her just picking up from what she watched with the older girl.
1: Well, yeah, the older girl we lived she lived with I I was I knew her since she was 13. I was her teacher and I thought she was brilliant. She loved writing. I took her to see Romeo and Juliet. She knew the play by heart. I romanticized everything about this girl and I learned a valuable lesson cuz her social worker said All these kids can keep it together for an hour, two hours a week. In between that time, they're self-harming, they're self-injuring, they are going crazy. She said, I applaud you for trying to do this, but this girl is mentally ill because she's refusing all help and all medication and doing the work because she's uh, defiant and she still thinks her mom was handed a raw deal even though her mom is a meth addict. Mm. If you think being a parent is a job, being a foster parent, there's therapist appointments, there's um, medication appointments, there's, um, I mean, it was constant, constant with her medical issues and then when um, I got her into school, she also had school refusal disorder
0: so there was constantly police visits because she was walling wow. from school. School refusal disorder. I've never heard of that Absolute term before.
1: refusal to go to school. Built it, on
0: an anxiety about being in school or...
1: it Built on um, uh, not wanting to do whatever the fuck anybody said she had to do. She yeah. was 15. Yeah. I mean, even if she had even been born she... into, like, you know, the eight is enough family, right, right, right. she would be a difficult 15-year-old. Right. But when the drugs started coming into yeah. the house and she... Um, Found a, we found a meth pipe that she left out. She, I mean, we had um, group visits with her entire... She had a team of like seven people, but she refused them all. Yeah. Or she'd go high. She'd say, you can't make me. You can't make me do this. You can't make me do that. And I'm like, so we're all turning ourselves inside out. I didn't sleep for a year. I didn't eat. Mm-hmm. I was... Uh, such a, a ball of anxiety, because I couldn't make her see that we were literally just trying to help her, forcing her to go to high school. I mean, the fights. I mean, she taught Clem very well the art of the slamming door. Yeah. Um, How old was Clem? Well, this was five, five. Okay. And and our foster teen was. I'm trying not to say her name because I want to protect her anonymity. She she in the beginning it was we had such a honeymoon. She yeah. loved Clem so much because her um, her stepfather had taken her. Brother, she had a half brother who had autism, so she lost everything. She lost her mom, she lost a bad dad, and a bad mom, but she had a little brother, so she put a lot of that love into Clem. I got her into a great local LAUSD fine arts high school, but the minute we got her a phone, we lost her. And she started out with straight A's, and as soon as she found the drug addicts, it It was over. over. The lengths that we went to yeah. to get her to as close to graduation as we could. And then the night she um, attacked my husband physically, and the cops came, and there were drugs all over the house. And because I was a middle aged white lady, boy, did I play it up to the hill with those cops. Yeah. Because she had been attacking a black, her black boyfriend in our house mm-hmm. and destroyed this room full of furniture. And that was when we found the meth pipe. I was able to. The cops didn't even walk in the house. They were like, should we come in? I'm like, oh, my daughter and her boyfriend just had a terrible fighting. You know how teenagers are, girls. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. If I was a black woman, yeah. Clementine would have been taken away from us in five seconds. Yeah. And that was when, I mean, if I was a woman of color and and they had seen the black boyfriend, it would have been a whole Ugh. other song and dance. Yeah. And so I did, I polished off my acting credentials. I worked over the cops. They didn't come in the house. Um, My husband was physically, had been struck. I had been struck. I was covered with bruises. Oh my gosh. And she took off. And the next morning I called her social worker and I said, my husband basically said, it's me or her. Yeah. And my eyes opened at that moment because I thought, oh, she's not going to stop until Clementine's been taken away from us. And three weeks before she had her meltdown she said I know what I'm doing I know I'm recreating the chaos of my childhood in your family and I said but I can't let you do that Yeah. because Clem is not going into the foster system and I don't want you going back into the foster system but she couldn't help it yeah yeah we're still in touch she's 18 she has a baby she has another one on the way wow her baby's gonna be one and she her next baby's due in like six weeks She's still with a baby daddy. Is that uh, the
0: boyfriend from that night or a different? No, no, okay. No no, 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 long gone. Good.
1: No, her boyfriend is a felon and uh, undocumented and a high school dropout just like her. Oh my gosh. But he is a devoted dad. Yeah. And she is working with the system now. Now she's friends with her social worker and she is a devoted mom. Wow. She
0: loves her baby. I, She's again, probably seeing things maybe from a different perspective at this point. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Oh, I yeah. would hope so. On New Year's yeah. Eve, she sent me... Um, an
1: Instagram saying, "You're an amazed boss mom," and I'm sorry it took me so long to realize it. Wow! And I was so, like, how
0: long was this whole time frame when from when year. she came into your house? It was a year. Uh-huh. And what happened for Clem at that? In Clem that time. was so excited to have a sibling. Yeah, She loved it so much. But then when things
1: started to go bad and then they went for, I mean, we took them to New York City and they, we did all these fun things and we had good times and she was wonderful to Clem when she was wonderful, but when she was bad, when the trauma and the mental illness was too strong... It was horrible. She was never mean to Clem, but she put a terrible fear in her. She said, someone's going to snatch you. You know, she sca- made oh her terrified of her. Oh my gosh, that's home- terrifying. Yeah. Well, she was imparting it's her... what
0: she knew. It was how she saw the world. Yeah. She
1: was imparting her worldview.
0: And did you have to do a lot of damage control after yeah. she left? Yeah. Yeah,
1: we had to do a lot of damage demo- control. I was devastated. Andrew was devastated. Clem was devastated. And basically, you know, what we said was... She was very sick. She had a mental illness. She was sick. Mm-hmm. And she's gone someplace to get better.
0: Yeah. There are some situations you can't control. No. <laughs> I almost killed
1: myself in the service of somebody else. And what good is that? Yeah. Then you're not doing anything. You're not anybody, helping anyone. Right?
0: right. And also not helping Clem either. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Where did her name come from? Clementine? Did... Yeah. One day I was setting up for a writer's group. And I grabbed a bag of clementines off the counter and I looked down at the bag and I got just a chill and a thrill run through my body. And then I found out that there was a great um, black uh, folk painter um, named Clementine Hunter Um, in the early teens and twenties. She was, uh, and I went and saw her art at the Chicago Art Institute when Clem was only three months old. And people were like, oh, did you name her after that? And I was like, fruit
0: was involved. <laughs> um, so I want to go back most of the way. Mm-hmm. There's another person in this whole story that we haven't talked that much about, which is Andrew, Our your hey. husband. He was very left out. Very well. <laughs> he was. Of the whole thing, you mean? Well, David,
1: the lawyer, said to us, he goes, they're not going to want to talk to you. To he, Andrew. He said, they're not going to want to talk to you. Men got them in this situation. If a man was a good man, they wouldn't be in this situation because he'd be there. He, They're not interested in you. They may have trauma.
0: They may have been raped. You don't
1: know. Yeah.
0: Wow. And sure enough, Jasmine had no desire. Because I know you, you were saying you had this long, wonderful conversation so with every birth night, mom in the car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So every night, well, then we started texting because she was 21. She didn't want to talk on the phone. Yeah. No <laughs> oh, way. Hey. Texting, 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 texting. So with you. With me. Not with Andrew. The and, no, and then her mom and I started a thread where we were conversing and she was telling me she was raised in foster care. The mom. Yeah. The grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Because her dad um became a drug addict in New Orleans. Wow. And her mom had four kids and the state just took them all away. She goes, We were raised by mean relatives. So she was always like, You love this baby. You love and I was like you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um and so Andrew would read all my bonding conversations with them all day long. They would ask me about him. Yeah. And I would say, Oh, and then and I would send them pictures and they saw they had the give us your baby book. Yeah. So they oh, yeah. saw all the photos of us and they were like, Oh, that picture of you there. Where were you? And it was like, um, Online dating? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. yeah
0: And how did he feel while that was going on? Was he just happy it was working at all? Or he was, was he, he left was, out? Yeah,
1: he was left out. He was yeah. happy all of the above. He yes. was ha and, and, you know, doing everything he had to do and doing all the paperwork and doing all his tech returns and you know, it's like adulting. I mean, we were yeah. forced to be grown up. I mean, yeah. right?
0: So through this whole period. Did your relationship, did your marriage change? Did your relationship change? It's obviously, it has to have been challenged. I mean, George and I had a very rough year and a half. half.
1: Oh, yeah. Andrew and I see a couples counselor who specializes in um, adoption and adoption trauma. So we get to work out all our parenting issues, you know, with her. I mean, I like to say that children are like a hand grenade that you throw into a marriage. Yeah. Making a child happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You He's, know,
1: intentional parenting is really... an IED. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a roadside bomb. Yeah. Um, it is truly, truly difficult. And I was menopausal, so... Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a triple. Yeah, yeah. We were very taxed. Um, so one last thing. Once you had Clem, mm. and you now are fully parents, you, the papers are signed, mm-hmm. she is with you. Mm-hmm. How did she integrate into your family? Everyone was
1: amazing. My dad drove from
0: Woodstock, Connecticut, 14
1: hours through blizzards to be in that hotel room in Ohio and hold her when she was just like five days old with his adopted daughter and his wife. Um, They couldn't love her more. They're all obsessed with her. That's really amazing. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And so your blog is Mm thisoldmom.com. So you have... Truly embraced your age. Mm-hmm. I'm out. But, I mean,
1: I'd get Botox. I mean, I'm. I. I can't tell. Well, I'm. I'm overdue. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I am 56. My husband's 53. She knows how old we are. We show her pictures of when we were kids. And, yeah. Um, and
0: even within embracing your age, mm, did you at some point have the voices that said, "No, you're too old for this. You sh- it's too late for you to be a mom. You're too old." Or
1: they didn't happen until after. <laughs> until <laughs> after, after you. Had the kid. oh yeah when she oh, was about a year funny. old i was like what the fuck am i doing oh, wow. but still i you know I, how did you get past it it was a moment and then um it was gone so i am older by 10 years of most of the moms in my circle but they they embrace me i mean i feel very loved and accepted and they were when my mom died they were Devastated and grieved with me, and took and they took care of Clem because there were days when I couldn't get out of bed, and they were like, oh, wow. "We're coming over. We're gonna take her. We're gonna take her here. We're gonna take her there." That's great. Yeah, you, you, you your kids will find your friends.
0: Yes, Just I've hope, heard that. And hopefully, <laughs> your kid has good taste. There's in I well, exactly. We'll see. You, well, that's your job, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for talking with me. Mm, my pleasure. Okay, thank Yay, you, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for Episode 9 of IVFU. Come back to us Episode 10 where you'll stand on the other side of the exam table and meet Dr. Janelle Luke, whose career in reproductive endocrinology began with a surprising passion. During the years of training, I get to learn more about the menstrual cycle. And I think it is uh, miraculous.
1: I fell in love with the cycle. I know this is not right because most women say menstrual cycle sucks. And why do they have messy? So Why is all this bleeding? Uh, but it was amazing kind of a cycling of biology and science. And I fell in love with it.
0: The IVFU Podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaber, and Emmeline Summerton, And we'd love to hear from you. Please join our conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU podcast. For episode transcripts and to download our theme song, Freak in Love by Sam Shaber and The Happy Problem, visit IVFUpodcast.com. IVFU is distributed by Inside Voices Media. Our mixer is Allison Wilson, with additional sound design by J.C. Swatek. Our live story segment was recorded at the Fremont Center Theater in South Pasadena as part of the Word Now storytelling series. If listening to these stories helped you and you think they might help someone else, we'd love it if you could help keep it going by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also be a huge help in making season two a reality by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford on Venmo and paypal.me at IVFU podcast. Thank you. And thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together because remember, it's all about being a family. And I'm a